Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast for Real Life Church Pullman. We exist to help people know and become like Jesus. Hello, everyone. I hope we have a wonderful week. Uh, once again, my name is Cornelius Adewale. Uh, this week, actually, it's clocked 10 years since I've been in Pullman and I've been part of the Real Life um, since then. So it's such an honor. Uh, to have the opportunity to be here. Um, so when Todd asked me to um, you know, come up with a topic that I could talk about within this series of um, Christian bucket list, one of my worry for us was my accent. If you have not noticed, it's a very strong one. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, then I began to pray um, and one of the things that kept ringing in my mind over and over again, it's when I look into my life, when I look at one of the most of the wonderful relationships I have, whether it's my wife, and then my son, um, or people like Gary, um, and so many other wonderful relationships I have around me, I could trace all of them to someone or me giving on this idea of intentional hospitality. Um, and I'm saying, okay, can we challenge each other as a church, as a family, to from that bucket list, Christian bucket list mentality, um, to create a year of intentional hospitality? What would that look like? And what why could that be important? Uh, let's start off by reading from the book of Hebrew. Hebrew chapter 13. Uh, and the scripture reads that do not forget. Uh, you know, that's even, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing. Uh, the writer of Hebrews was trying to remind us, huh, this is important. Do not forget. So today I want us to spend a little time to really look a little bit into the story that the writer of Hebrews was talking about here. Uh, maybe there could be one or two things for us to learn around this idea of intentional hospitality. Uh, but before we do that, let us pray. Everlasting Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together and the opportunity to fellowship with one another. Uh, Lord, I pray that you will open our heart to receive your message and that you will bless us with a message from you and that I will just be a medium that your Holy Spirit will make himself known among us today. We thank you we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, why is this idea of intentional hospitality important? Why, is it, why should it be a thing? Why, why consider, you know, say I want to create a year of intentional hospitality. So let's, I, I love the word of God. It's, 
There's so much we can learn. Uh, the more we dig into it, the more we pick different lessons on daily basis. So I want us to spend a little more time in going through these stories, and maybe I could, we could drive our attention to one or two things on this idea of intentional hospitality. So it reads as well. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Uh, before I continue, I want to give us a little bit of context around that first sentence. Uh, if we go a chapter, like if we, if we read through the chapter 17, just before here, um, God just made a covenant with him and um, God asked for a token, like a, was a, something like a ring, equivalent of a ring in a marriage when you have a covenant like that. Something that will make you make sure you remember what that covenant is all about. And uh, guess what it was? It was circumcision. So Hebrew just got circumcised. So probably still healing from that surgery. And then God appeared to him, you know, maybe trying to console him, having some, you know, tete-a-tete. Um, then Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the headrance to his tent to meet them and bowed to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and there you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat. So you can be refreshed and then go on your way. Now that you have come to your servant. Very well, the hand said. Do as you say. So Abraham hurried to the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said. Get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf. And gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and a calf that had been prepared and set this before them. While the head he stood near them under a tree. Where's your wife, Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year. And Sarah, your wife, we have a son. Hmm. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind them. Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at at the appointed time next year. And Sarah we have a son. Sarah was afraid, so he lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, Yes, you did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. So I, I wanted us to read uh, this chapter because I think there are some major lessons that we can learn from here. And the fundamental thing there is the kind of premium that Abraham placed on hospitality. He placed so much premium 
on hospitality. So the first thing I want us to notice is that God was visiting Abraham at this time. If you remember, the very first verse, it depends on the version you are reading. Some say God was visiting him. Um, and God appeared to him at that time. I don't know if I were Abraham, if I am having a discussion with, with God. And there's some strangers. I won't tell God to wait and go to the strangers. But that's what Abraham did. So, could this mean that Abraham is placing so much importance? Maybe it's a little even more virtuous or more important to invite a guest into his house rather than gaining divine revelation from God. Because if I'm having a tet a tet with God, that gives me ideas in terms of divine revelation, divine. But here is Abraham saying, Oh, here are strangers. We will see later in that verse, if you read further, that God was still there. Because later God responded, you know, to be part of the conversation. And yet he ran to the strangers. That tells the kind of premium that Abraham placed on hospitality. You see, the second thing there is that Iran. That might not be a big deal to you and I. Uh, well, actually, maybe to me it could be. I'm originally from Nigeria, from a tribe called Yoruba, uh, which our culture is very close to the Jews. Um, and elderly people don't run. And elderly people don't run. It's a, something shameful for an elderly person to be running. But here we have Abraham running to meet strangers. That's even in terms of culture. More especially an elderly person who just had a surgery in delicate place. Don't run. But here he is. Running. Probably going through excruciating pain. Because at that time, there was no time at all. <laughs> he ran to meet strangers. People that he didn't know. Strangers. Another thing I wanted to drive our attention to is the fact that Abraham prepared Large measures of their best. So if you, in the, in the verse that we read, the NIV that we read, say it prepared three seers. Okay. And that's in their measurement. If we bring it to our time, let's bring it to America. That's 22 pounds of flour. Okay. Who prepared 22 pounds of flour for three people? There are three people. So if we, I'm sure most of us are experienced bakers and all of that. Um, one pound will at least give you nothing less than three to four loaves of bread. So we are talking about as much as more than 70 loaves of bread for three people. So it's not just intentional hospitality, a radical 
hospitality. So he wasn't just thinking about taking care of them in his house, welcoming them to his house. He's also thinking about their journey thereafter. Enough food to feed them for months. So if you read through that, you know, where we're reading earlier on, you see that he was talking about, he went for the best, the finest. He went for the young calves. Hey, that's future investment. That's something that could have, you know, built his empire more and he didn't go for the whole one out one. That tells us the kind of hospitality that Abraham placed and the kind of premium that Abraham placed on hospitality. How important it was to him. So I made us read through because I wanted to get to the last part whereby he was telling us that Abraham sent them on their way. So he didn't just take care of them in his house. Okay, bye-bye, you can go now. No, he gave them a royalty experience because that's what you do to a royalty. When a royalty comes to your house, that's when you send them on their way. You still walk with them. See, what with them? So there might be something here for us to learn. There might be something here for us to learn as people of God. However, I want to point out the fact that hospitality is beyond sharing meal. At the core of it, it's about extending privilege of community to those who do not have a standing to expect it. It's about, you know, we prepare a meal for our kids, right? That's something they expect, a family member. So when you invite somebody to your house and you prepare a meal to them, what well, you are telling them that they are part of the family, to a stranger, to the vulnerable, to the orphans, to the fatherless, to the least among you, is an heart of extending community. I remember one of my first experiences actually at real life, it was somebody that met me, um, a member of the church, we were chatting earlier today, they met me in, uh, at Walmart. It was, you know, I came in to, for my master's degree then. And he said, I didn't have a car. And he said, oh, he saw me buying different things in Walmart. And he said, can I give you a ride to your house? And he gave me a ride. And then we became friends. And the rest of the story is history. But that's what hospitality looks like. A stranger. Probably. Not just an ordinary stranger. A black guy. Anyway. So at the core of it is about identifying with outsiders and treating them as insiders. That's what hospitality means at the core of it. 
at the core of it as well, it's about extending privilege across differences. If you look through that scripture, I don't think we see anywhere whereby Abraham asks, what language do you guys speak? Or what's your political view? Or what is your religion? Or what God do you serve? Because they were strangers. Abraham did not know that they were angels. They were strangers. So that might be something for us to consider when we are looking at the core of this idea of extending hospitality to people around us. It means privilege across difference. It means extending privileges of community to those who do not have a standing to expect it. It's also about treating outsiders and treating them like insiders. So, this tells us, because when we look through how the scripture, when we look through how the scripture, we come to a realization that intentional hospitality is central to the very identity of what it means to be the people of God. When we look from story to story to story to story, whether it's in the story of the Abraham, the three strangers that we're just talking about right now, or the story of Rahab, who intentionally made his house available to people that he knew to be spies. What a radical woman. Or the story of Elijah and the widow of Seraphite. Her very last meal, I don't know if it was me, if it's last, my last meal, I would love to have it and extend my life a little bit. Or we look at the story of Elisha and the Shunammite woman who provided a room for him, for him to spend the night. I think we just spent several weeks looking at the story of Ruth. And we saw what Boaz did. Uh, we look at the story of what Jesus did over and over and over in different ways, whether it's in feeding the thousands. The disciples were ready to let them go their way, but He's not a God who is going to ignore the needs of the people. Yes, people need the word of God. He just fed them with the word of God. But you also know that you are hungry. Or the early church. Or the early church. In the book of Heart, he said they had all things in common. They share all things in common. Mind you, these are the people that didn't knew each other before. Because if you go just a chapter, you read about the fact that they came from all over. They came from all over. And all of a sudden, they begin to share everything in common. Intentional hospitality, it's central to the very identity of what it means. To be the people of God. Yes, hospitality is an act of love. But maybe 
Maybe. More important is actually the father is an act of fate. Is an act of faith in the God who gives. So I want us to go back to the story that we started with. But, you know, I talk about what happened before a little bit. Let, let's see it's something fundamental in the story that happened before. So what happened before, the strangers came, and God just made a covenant with him. God just made a covenant with Abraham that I am going to give you your descendants. As you can read, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. Then I will make my covenant between you and you will greatly increase your number. Uh, So if you read another uh, version, uh, if you read the new uh, international version, it said, in the chapter 2, he said, I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. To you and me, this is not really a radical idea. It's an, something we expect. We expect it to be God, you know, give us things, right? To us. But to Abraham, that was a radical idea. Because at the time, Abraham was in a community, in a place. Everybody around him served God who takes. Not the God who gives. It's the kind of God whereby they have to appease to. Uh, you know, don't be hungry with us. Take this. Don't be hungry with us. No, don't destroy us. Take this. That's what he was used to all around him. That is the kind of God. That was the kind of God all of them have. But here is a God that is saying, I'm going to give you. Okay, if you guys don't believe me, let's. Let's, let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 22 because immediately after that that's when God let me test this guy whether he got the idea but thank goodness he got it but God still want to make sure that did you really get it? do you really get the idea? so let's go to the story that we are all too familiar with in Genesis chapter 22 um, you know God asked him Come and sacrifice your son to me. I don't know how many of us have asked the question, why didn't Abraham argue with God on this? Because we don't see any way Abraham arguing with God on, you just taught me you are, you are the God, now you are. He couldn't argue with God because that was the norms around him. The norms around him is because everybody sacrificed their first son to, to appease to the gods. Around them. Oh yeah. Here we go again. Here we go again. So there's no point. But do you know what Abraham took away from that whole experience? Do you know what he took away? What he took away? Abraham looked up and there in the ticket they saw a ram caught up by its tongue. He went over it and took the ram and sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place what? The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. The God who gives. That's the message. I serve the God who gives. The God who gives. As opposed to everyone around him. As opposed to everyone 
around him. The idea of God is a God who takes away. It's a God, you know, you know. So when we look through the scripture, over and over, over and over, over and over, we will see that the calling throughout the scripture has always been for us to trust the God who gives. The story has always been for us to remember the God who gives. And his calling has always been for us to use our life to tell the story of the God who gives. So over and over, he was shaping them in different ways. He would give them laws so that they can tell the story. What is the idea of Sabbath? Trust me, I'm the God who gives. What is the idea of the first fruit? It's even when he provides for you, when you have that bountiful harvest, remember the God who gives. Every time, remember the God. What is the idea of tithe? Remember the God who gives you that nothing that we have is truly ours. This is how he shaped them over and over. Whether it's the idea of leaving the corners of your field. Whether it's the idea of celebrating and feasting. Trusting the God who gives. Remember the God who gives. And using our life, our time, our focus, our passion to tell the story of the God. Who gives? Because at the core of it, at the core of it, hospitality is about trusting Him. It's a great act of faith. In that God who gives. That the materials that we need to provide hospitality, whether it's the money, uh, whether it's the time, whether it's the talent, there's the one that provides it. You know, things that make us want to, you know, strike at the idea of opening our house or our time or our talent. It's always been about Act of faith in the God who gives. That God's provision will be at the expense of giving away the food, the drink, the entertainment, and the shelter. Because out there, the world is telling a different story. Out there, what the world wants us to do is it's about building our own empire. Not telling the story of the God who gives. Our calling is to use our life to tell that story. And intentional hospitality is one of the most practical ways to use our lives to tell the story of the God who gives. So, another thing I want to call our attention to is that it's not just about giving hospitality. Uh, now, you see, this message is about challenging each and every one of us to consider the possibility of creating a year of intentional hospitality. And it's going to look different for different people. Right? For some, it might be, okay, every week I'm going to be inviting so, 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 so into my house. 
for some other people, it could be every month I'm going to be having sleepover, whatever, man, whatever that looks like. For other people, it could be oh, um, every week or every month, uh, that woman who I don't even know, or maybe a stranger, I'm going to be mowing their lawn. For another person, it could be a cup of coffee. For another person, it could be okay, I'm going to be sending intentional greeting cards to so 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 people. Uh, to other people, it's going to look different for different people. It could be games, night, but anything that helps us extend community to people that does not expect it. Anything that helps, that, that challenges us to use our life, our talent, our focus to tell that story of the God who gives, whatever it's going to look like, and make it intentional. And let's put it into display. And what if we become the kind of child that is known to these weird people that are just where are they why are they not worrying about you know their own empire? They are not worrying about they just full of hospitable people. What would that look like in Puma? What would that look like in the Palus as a whole? Because that's what the Holy Church did. That's what they did. That's why you and I have the benefit of calling ourselves Christian today. Because the whole Roman Empire was upon them, killing them. Physically killing them. But yet they were still loving. They still believed in the God who gives. They were still using their talent and their time to love their enemies the way Jesus asked them to. So the whole the biggest empire the world has ever seen have no idea how to deal with them. And that empire have to crumble because they overcame by that blood of the lamb, by giving and by making that their testimony. They overcame. And you and I have the opportunity now to use our life to do the same. Telling the story, using our attention, our time, and everything we have to tell the story of the God who gives. Not the God who would take away. Giving and receiving hospitality is a major conduit for bringing the kingdom of God to hurt. And when we look at it, Jesus put it into display. He used his life to tell that story over and over and over again. I don't know if you guys remember the story of the Samaritan woman. But that's the point. That's another point I want to put there. Because it's not just about giving hospitality. It is also about receiving hospitality. That's how you bring that kingdom of God to heart. So they asked Jesus directly. What is it going to take to enter the kingdom of God? What does it even look like? And he told everything he told them. You and I, we expect it to be something like, oh, who can pray the most? Who can fast the most? Or who come to church the most? Or who do this? No. But they all have to do with an idea of a radical, intentional hospitality. Clothe the naked. Feed the hungry. Take care of the poor. Visit the prisoners. Things that that all around this core idea of intentional, radical hospitality. So back to that idea of 
Yes. Giving hospitality is important, it's critical, like I've said. It's also the receiving, it's also as much important. Because Jesus used that example. Why? He had that Samaritan woman. Will you give me a drink? Will you give me? This is a Samaritan woman. This is a woman that even the members of her home community has, you know, ostracized. A woman going to the well in the middle of the day by herself. Nobody wanted to deal with him. And here is Jesus asking her, will you give me a drink? A rabbi. A man don't even talk to a woman in their culture that you don't know. But here is Jesus asking her, will you give me a drink? It was a radical shift. The woman had to go all the way to spread the gospel of Jesus. And the whole community was saved because of that. So receiving hospitality could be as much powerful as well. Extend the community to those that do not expect it. Expanding the privilege of community despite differences. And we won't do that on social media. We shouldn't care whether they are Democrat or Republican. We shouldn't care because Jesus didn't ask this woman are you going to become a Jew? Just extending that heart because of love, of hospitality to the woman. But like I said earlier on, I just want to make sure I make that clear. It could come in different ways to each of us. What I'm challenging us to do is to think of, make it intentional. What is it going to look like for you. Intentional. Can we be a church that rally around that idea of intentional radical hospitality? For some, like I said, it could be a phone call. I'm going to be calling these people, whatever it's going to look like, whether it's a stranger that you meet from time to time. It could be people in your place of work. Can we get to a level whereby the people in your place of work look at your life and say, wow, who is providing for you? Who do you serve? Who is your God? Do they see the story of the God who provide? Because that's what Act of Intentional Hospitality challenges and calls us to do. So before we um, close for today, there are some points that I want us to Rescue it. The first point I want us to think about as we meet in our care group, as we meet in men groups, as we meet in different ways with friends and all of that, is the fact that intentional hospitality is a tangible discipline that can help us to turn the accurate, to turn the world, an accurate picture of what God looks like. Because Jesus did that. That's what Jesus did. He, 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 he used his life to tell an accurate picture of what God looks like. You know, you see what I'm saying? Worry not about tomorrow. 
over and over. And he didn't just preach it. He preached it in parables. He taught it in sermon. He commanded it. But he leave it. He leave it out. Whether it's the story of the Samaritan woman we talk about, whether it's the healing of the blind, whether it's the feeding the thousands, over and over, over and over, over and over, he leave it out. He display what God looks like. He display. He gave an accurate view. So the question is, he called us to do the same. So I'm asking us, what specific act of hospitality will you put into practice to tell that you serve the God who gives? So that might be something we discuss in our care group and something we ruminate over. Um, but more importantly, something we do something about. I've seen people in this church do that over and over. I've been at receiving hand, I've been at giving, I've been in different ways of it. I've seen, I've seen us doing things, but I'm asking us here at individual level and at care group level, can you become our DNA? Something we do more intentionally. So, and, and, and that's the second thing I want to bring out. Can we dare each other? Who in your life will you dare for a year of intentional hospitality? Like I said, intentional hospitality, it's, it's an act of great faith in the God who provides. Because there are things in our life, there are wants and needs that we want to prevent us from using our life to tell the story of the God who provides. And many things. What are those things? What are those things? It, it's different. Maybe new house, maybe new boat, new different, different things that could. What are personal needs and wants that might be hindering you from practicing a year of intentional hospitality? Another thing that I want us to think about, and I think this is important too, that the excess of hospitality is not a tangible in itself. It's not the, the ride that you give to strangers. It's not the food. It's not the phone call. It's not the messages. It's not those, those things that the heart is important. But, but the core of it is actually the attention that we give to people. It's their attention. And, and I think Jesus also demonstrates it. I don't know if you guys remember the story of the Mary and Martha. When they feed Martha was busy with cooking and all of that. But Mary provided what hospitality, the heart of what hospitality actually means. Giving attention to the people. Attention. Attention. As you can see, Abraham did pay close attention to the people, not just feeding them in that place, but even what they are going to need thereafter. Attention. That's the call of it. Treating them as family and as a member of the family, of the community. So as a church, we'll... Having a year of intentional hospitality help us tell a better story of the God who provides. So as we move into the time of communion, and I, and I, this, um, the communion 
It's a very important one. Um, that last day, he gathered them together. Uh, and he was challenging them. And he was telling them about things that are important. Things that are very important. And, and, and this is why we do it as a church every time we meet. Yeah. On that night that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, you know, he took that bread. Um, but what he has them to do, it's important. He has them to remember. So he was asking them, do you remember that woman? That Samaritan woman? Remember? Remember when we fed the thousands? Remember? Because I'm going to die. Remember my death. Remember it. What it means. So, he said, this is my body, which is for you. And do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember Jesus. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. So let's remember him. Everlasting Father, we thank you because we remember you. Remember you putting into display what our God looks like. And we remember calling us to do the same. We pray today that you will continually empower us to do the same. And you will continually remind us of that calling. To use our life to tell your story. To tell who you are. To be your representative. In everywhere we find ourselves. In the place of work. In our community. Among family members. To perfectly to tell an accurate picture of who you are. Not the God who argues. Or winning the debate. Always we serve the God who gives. The God who gave Himself for us. The God who gives. Who give He went to the way of giving His Son for us. We pray that you will empower us to tell that story, to use our life to tell that story everywhere we find ourselves. We thank you because we are prayer answering God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by going to rlcpullman.com or by following us on Facebook or YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.